Welcome back. I'm Gila Ross, host of the Power Up podcast, where in just a few short minutes, we look at incredible Torah ideas and see how relevant and meaningful they are for us in our everyday lives. And in this episode, I want to share something so profound that happens at the Seder table, but that we so often miss. How would you sum up Torah ideology? How would you sum? I didn't. I didn't use Judaism, the word Judaism, because sometimes that can be construed as a cultural thing. But when you think of like Jewish ideology, Torah ideology, how would you sum it up? You mean you haven't spent the past three days thinking up an answer to this? Uh, <laughs> very hard question. It is a hard question. Very, very the hard question. The thing is, question. you can't... I wouldn't label it as anything like how to live in a fair way or anything like that because some of the laws in the Torah don't have rationale like that, like kashrut. Oh, yeah, there's a, whole, there's a whole category of laws that are not, are not rational. Right, there's, 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 we're, get, we're going off tangent, but you're right. There, there are three categories of law. There's one which are like moral, ethical laws. There's um, um, laws that we don't know the reasons of, and there's laws that also are like we're called edut. They're, they're about that we do them because we're bearing witness to something. For example, Passover. We keep Passover because we're bearing witness to the fact that God took us out of Egypt. So thank you, Anna, for telling us what it's not. <laughs> All right, now that I have you well and truly stuck, (laughs) I'm going to to make you, I'm going to stump you just a little bit more before I I give you a clue as to what the answer might be. I'm going to suggest that on Passover night, we actually discuss this, but most of us miss it. And the truth is, if you miss it and you've you've missed it and you're like thinking, what on earth are you talking about? I've been um, at a number of seders in my life and I've never really heard anything about it. I actually never realized it until I read this article that I read um, a few days ago, which absolutely blew my mind because I thought it was just beautiful. So our kids come home from school and they hopefully learn the Manishtana, right? The four questions that they ask at the, the, say, the table. And they ask four different questions. Now, we give them four answers. And these four answers are the answer to why be Jewish. What does it mean to be a Jew? And it's, it's, good, it's good to actually know that because hopefully then when our kids actually, they may never ask that, but if they were, were to ever ask us, this question, we, would, we could actually point them into the answer. So what are those four answers? So the first answer, I think, is the answer that we, that we know. We start by saying, Avadim Hayinu. We were slaves, right? We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And then we d- detail how God took us out with miracles, with love, right? So that's answer number one. Then we give a second answer. And we go and we, 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 we say, we make a point by saying that if God wouldn't have taken us out of Egypt, we would still be slaves nowadays. 
right? Which is which is one step further than, than just saying we're remembering that we were slaves and God took us out with love. Now we're saying that it helped me out because I'm not a slave because of what God did many, many years ago. Then there's answer number three, where it says that even if we are a wise person, even if we are someone who has tremendous experience with leading seders, who knows all the ins and outs of, of the Pesach story, we still have an obligation to tell the story of Pesach, right? This is all in the paragraph that we, we give to, to the answer. And then there's a fourth answer, which says that the more we talk about it, the more praiseworthy it is, right? Which is quite unique to the mitzvah of um, talking about um, coming out of Egypt on Passover night. So is that all clear to everyone? Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I asked you a question and I gave you some information, but it doesn't really seem to add up at all. It doesn't really seem to answer to us what what the core, what the ideology of Judaism really is. So let's let's try and, and digest it out. So let me ask you a question. If you are doing a mitzvah, a good deed, what might your motivation be? To feel better. To feel better, okay. To, to see someone else happy. Okay, to help someone else. Martin. To see that they're happy that you've helped them, like the satisfaction of that they've okay. received your help. Okay. Um, to what about, um, yeah. to let the other person know that you're thinking about them. Okay. What about mitzvot between us and God? What might be the motivation? Some kind of, um, some kind of. I don't like the word reward, but some kind of reward. So if we do the right thing, hopefully we'll get good things in our life back. Okay. Okay, so these are all good and valid motivations. What we're saying on Seder night is that the motivation is we are saying that the pathway to, to, to our relationship with God, the pathway to our mitzvah observance should be gratitude, right? The first thing that we're remembering is that we were, we were slaves in Egypt and God, you are amazing. You bought all these miracles. You took us out with this outstretched hand with loads of love. You are amazing. And from that, from that gratitude, that's what should ideally be the motivation for our mitzvah observance, for, 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 our, for our Torah ideology. So there are many, many pathways and none of the other pathways that you mentioned are incorrect. They're all, they're all correct. However, the ideal, right? The one to strive for. And also, you know, sometimes if we, if we can, incorporate that gratitude into our life that that is that is the ideal the the pathway to mitzvot that that comes from a gratitude to god god you did so much for me what can i do for you so that's that's number one but we then go further and we say had you had you not taken us out of egypt had you not had god not taken our forefathers out of egypt we would still be slaves there today what are we saying there we're saying that Torah is relevant to our lives, right? It's not a history book. We're not sitting down at the Seder table to remember a story that happened to an ancient people long ago. We are sitting down because it is relevant to us. And the relevance to us is that if we, if God would not have intervened and taken us out of Egypt, we would still be slaves, whether it would be physical slaves or spiritual slaves, 
we, so, so what we're doing here is not only are we, are we taking that gratitude, but we're bringing it home and we're taking that gratitude personal. And what's interesting is that all of us, I think, I hope, have had moments of joy in our life. Can anyone recall a moment of joy in their life? <laughs> when you have a baby. Yes, brilliant example. I was gonna, I was gonna say that, right? If you remember, if you remember that moment when you know you have that that child, and it's like you know, right? The, the baby's fresh. It's an incredible moment of joy, right? But as human beings, what happens? We get accustomed to that to that joy, right? We get accustomed to it. And what what this the second answer is telling us is that we should try not to. We should try to bring the joy with us. I know it's a little bit hard with that. That, that newborn baby turns into a, a tangerine toddler or a, or a, or a mousy, you know, preteen or, or a teenager. But still, right, the more we can bring that joy with us. So, so far we've seen two things. We've seen the pathway, the motivation to our, uh, uh, um, to, 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 to Torah lifestyle should be one of gratitude and a gratitude that we bring with us of all those moments of joy that we have um, in, in our lives. Now, the third thing that we said is we said that even if we are wise, now this is a bit of a strange one, right? Because if the story of the Passover is just so that we should know what happened. So someone who knows the ins and outs, what's the point of telling, of sitting down at the, at the Satan table and telling it again? Any ideas? What could possibly be the point? To remind ourselves to be grateful. Okay. What you're right. The question is why would would why why do we need that reminder? So we can tell our children. Absolutely, it's a huge part of the story is to, is to tell our children for sure. So we don't forget. Absolutely. And beyond that, beyond that, imagine I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you an uh, analogy to help bring it home. Imagine there's a guy and he says. I love my wife. And you tell him, really, when was the last time you spoke to her? He says, I don't know. We spoke at our wedding night. I told her I love her. We don't need to speak again, right? <laughs> it's a relationship, right? So this is, this is what point number three is telling us, is that Torah ideology, Judaism is not a culture. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with God. And that's why it doesn't matter how wise you are, how well you know the story, you have to sit down and talk about the story because it's just like a couple that sit down and talk and tell about each other of the day or tell each other that they love each other. You never get tired of that, right? And, and if, if, you, if you stop saying it to each other, then, then, that's, that, then, that's, um, um, then that's the problem. So no matter how wise, no matter how many times you've done it beforehand, we still have to sit down and say it again because Judaism is a relationship with God. And this brings us to our final point. Why would it be that the more we say it is more praiseworthy? Any ideas? More passionate, like within. Yes, imagine you have a relationship with someone, right? Whether it's a, whether it's a spouse or whether it's a friend and the two of you are looking at what is my bare minimum obligation, right? And you know, it comes to your birthday and they're like, what's my bare minimum obligation? Can I get away with just giving a card? What sort of relationship is that? I, that's not a relationship, right? A relationship is, 
you do for each other and you want to do for each other, whether it's a friend, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a parent and child, it's not about the bare minimum. It's about trying to do more. And that's what this is telling us is that the more we talk about it, the more praiseworthy it is because we're coming from a place of gratitude. We're coming from a place that not just a gratitude of, of a story that happened long ago, but a gratitude that is mine, personal. It happened to me. It affects me, it, it, even if we don't feel like it happened to me, but it affects me personally. And because I have that gratitude, I want that relationship with God. And that relationship drives me to, to not want to just do the bare minimum, but to do to, to, to have a real and full relationship and to do as much as we can. So that, I think, is what the, the Sedanite, one of the things that the Sedanite is telling us as, as to what, why we are different. What is, what, you know, what, what is, what is the Torah ideology? What is, what does it mean to be a Jew? These are the four things it's telling us. It comes from a pace of gratitude. It happens. It affect, it, sorry, it affected me personally. And because of that, I want a relationship with God. And that relationship is not a bare minimum relationship, but a, a real relationship where, where we want to do as much as we can. Thank you so much for spending your time and listening. I hope that what you heard can add value to your Seder. I'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. You can get in touch with me at Gila Ross on Instagram. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share the word and like and subscribe so that you hear future episodes. Thank you and have a wonderful, wonderful Pesach.